friends. So you might have noticed a cool little new thing I'm doing on the podcast. It's where I have little listener, not like shout outs, but it's where I've had some of my students and friends record a little thing that just says, Hey, I'm Dr. So-and-so and I practice in this town and I listen to the Holistic Marketing Simplified podcast. So if you are a listener and you would be open to recording that for me, I would be so honored. All you have to do is DM me on Instagram and I will give you the instructions. It's super simple. And I'm just at Molly, A-K-H-I-L-L. And again, I would really appreciate it. So today's guest is my friend, Samantha from Lemon in the Sea. And Samantha creates websites in Squarespace and Kajabi. Um, She can either create them from scratch or she can do like a refresh if you already have those. And Samantha has a really cool signature framework and has designed customized websites to convert right fit leads faster. And I really like that because Instagram is great. It's kind of like a top of funnel type of thing, but also your website can be as well, especially when your SEO is dialed in and the navigation on your site is really dialed in. I learned a couple things from her that I actually implemented right away after the episode And she also talks about like the four things every website needs to have. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Holistic Marketing Simplified, a podcast for health and wellness professionals looking to simplify their marketing. I'm your host, Molly Cahill, and this podcast is brought to you by my Marketing Roadmap, which is a five-episode private audio training that's kind of like this podcast, but not exactly because it's not available to the general public when you search on your podcast feed. So the great thing about consuming free content like this for me or on my Instagram or my blogs or whatever is that, yes, you will learn a lot, but you kind of have to go searching for what it is exactly you're looking for. This five episode private podcast is broken down in a logical step-by-step order. That's why it's called a roadmap. If you're ready to get started on your Instagram marketing journey, or if you already are started and you just feel like you're kind of like overwhelmed with all of the different free information, this is a super clear roadmap with lots of tangible step-by-step action items that will get you from point A to point B for just $27. So all you have to do is head to mollycahill.com slash private training. And based on the reviews I've had so far, I know you won't be disappointed. My name is Dr. Nick Belden. I'm a functional medicine practitioner and chiropractor living in a beautiful, sunny Phoenix, Arizona. And I listen to the Holistic Marketing Simplified podcast, and you should too. Samantha, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here, Molly. So I already did your intro, but tell me a little bit about how you got into this the website industry, because of all things design, marketing, the website stuff makes me want to like beat my head against a brick wall. So I'm very, I'm very impressed by you. (laughs) True story. I went to college for architecture. I had wanted to be an architect ever. And when you go, so you get your undergrad degree and then you have to get a master's and then you have to do Uh a three-year internship and take seven exams. And I was just like, I, I can't do all that. So I ended up working at like a small company in my hometown 
I started doing their accounts payable, which is not anything like I ever studied, but learned that I had graphic design skills. And so they had me start working on their website and Ah. kind of where I got started. And then when my husband and I relocated for his job and I started just offering freelance, I found that websites was the thing that I loved to do most. I don't really like doing the brands and the logos and like getting into those tiny, tiny little details, but I love the creativity, but also like the analytical side of websites that I get to use my brain for both of those. Ooh, say more about the analytical piece. There's a lot of strategy that goes into it. So there is, yeah. Choosing what you want people to do on your website, how you're going to lay it out, you know, what the order of things is going to be. um, And things are getting more and more where you have to look at that strategy because Mm -hmm. engines are taking that into account and people expect specific things when they go to a website. So you have to understand how people work. uh, But you also have to understand how like the bots work when they look at your site Mm -hmm. and what they want to see. Yeah. So that's why I think I was drawn to you because I've talked to a lot of different website people and it's like, I feel like there's either the people who can make it pretty or the people who can make it work well. And I feel like you've got a really good marriage of both. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of pretty websites out there. And then there's a lot of websites that were designed in the early 2000s and haven't been updated and (laughs) need a refresh. Uh, But I really have learned that you have to have both because a website can look great, but if it's not going to work and people aren't going to find it, then it doesn't do anything for your business. Yeah. I mean, even something little I had when I had my, my website audited, gosh, this is probably two years ago was just like something as simple as my image size was too big. And so they were loading mm-hmm. too slowly. And it's just little things like that, that it's like, you can't possibly keep up with all of that on your own. And it's why it's nice to have somebody like you that people can outsource this to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you specifically work in Squarespace and Kajabi, right? Yes. So if you do have a Squarespace or Kajabi site, hit up Samantha. But (laughs) these tips that we're going to talk about today apply no matter who your website is to. So you say that your website is the most important piece of your marketing funnel, even if you find most of your clients through referrals. So for those of you who don't know what a marketing funnel is, because a lot of people who listen are beginner, um, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, like what you're thinking, like, you know, I mean, even if you're a brick and mortar office, you still have a marketing funnel, whether you realize it or not. So do you want to kind of just quickly explain what you mean by marketing funnel and then go into what you mean by how it's the most important piece? Sure. So I think of a marketing funnel is it's just how people first become aware of you. So that could be a Facebook group. It could be somebody telling them about you. If you're brick and mortar, it could be they walk past your storefront. Yeah. Yeah. And so they become aware of you and then they're interested. And really what you're trying to do is then move them to actually coming into your store or coming to your website and purchasing something from you. Mm -hmm. Or becoming a client or a patient or whatever. Because you work with a lot of chiropractors, naturopathic doctors. Yes. Yes. You're very used to this niche. I actually just recorded a solo episode and it will come out before your episode does. So if you're listening to this and you want to go back, you can listen to the episode I did about the content ecosystem. And it's where I talk about kind of like cold, warm, and hot leads, the five awareness levels, top of funnel, bottom of funnel. It's kind of all the same thing. 
kind of all the same thing, just a different way of saying it. Yeah. There, and there's, I feel like, especially if you've been in the online space, people are talking mm-hmm. about marketing funnels, like they have to be really complicated and they don't. Like you're no. really just trying to get people to know about you, get people interested and then get them to give you money for something that you offer, a service, a product, a course. Yeah. So my funnel is accomplished through my email list, which is what I you know, encourage for a lot of people. But even if you're just starting out, it can be something as simple as, you know, someone getting to your website and then, you know, you having like a book now button, like that can be a funnel. A funnel can be as simple as that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So talk about, let's talk about why you feel like it is such a like important part or the most important part of your marketing funnel. I say that because anytime I have known somebody to want to work with somebody, especially if it's going to be an investment of time and money and you're getting up close and personal with them, they are going to come to your website. It doesn't matter whether they found you on Instagram or their mom recommended you or somebody in the Facebook group for their community said you were great. They're going to come to your website before they make a decision because they want to see what you're all about. They want to see where you're located. They want to see kind of who you work with. And so all of that is on your website because I think people see that as a real sign of you're a professional business, you're trustworthy, you are not going to just skip out on them or they're going to end up in some really sketchy office somewhere. They know based on what your website presence says, whether or not they're going to trust you with their money and with their health. Yeah. So I'm definitely, I definitely don't want people to think you have to be a perfectionist when it comes to things like your Instagram feed, because that's something that's being updated like all the time. Mm-hmm. When it comes to your website, there's like an implied level of like, Ooh, this is a crappy looking site. This is a crappy service. And and I mean, it's just, the, it's just true. It's just the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so, or, or this site is really outdated. Are they even still in business? Oh yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. I've seen that or like a headshot from like 1992. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, okay, like, I don't like, then you walk in and you're, you don't even recognize the person. So I don't know if we want to just like quickly talk about the aesthetics first, and then we can talk about more of the, the nitty gritty part. But I know personally in our, like with Instagram, we always recommend that our clients have a professional photographer come in, capture you actually doing the thing you say you're doing. Um, I'm sure, I don't know kind of what tips you would have for websites when it comes to personal branding? I think a lot of them are going to be similar. So if you can have a professional photographer, that's going to make a huge difference as far as your website goes. Um, We don't need pictures of your roller table and your adjustment table. We want pictures of you actually serving your clients. We want to see what you're doing. So that makes a big difference as far as the image quality, the lighting, just making your space seem welcoming. And then the biggest thing you can do, no matter where you're at in designing a website, is just make it clean and simple and easy to read. So we want a lot of white space. We want our buttons to look like buttons and be really easy to find. We want our fonts to be big enough to read so that when somebody comes to their the site, they're not distracted by everything that's going on because you thought you needed to throw everything out there. You just wanted to try different things. We want to make it really simple. And the best way to do that is to make it clean and 
just have a really good flow in the design. Yes. And use those beautiful script fonts very sparingly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love me a good script font, but they're really hard to read. And then contrast is like another thing. My mother-in-law pointed it out to me. She's like, our old eyes can't see that. Like you need to have some good contrast on there. So it's like a button, like you said, make sure you stand up. And then mobile. Do you want to talk about like mobile versus desktop? Yes. So I have looked, my clients have at least 40% of their traffic on mobile. It gets even higher if you have like an in-person local service because people are looking for you when they're like just out and about and they're trying to find somebody close to them. So you need to make sure your site is mobile responsive. Most platforms will do some of that automatically. Um, So your job is to go in and just make sure that everything is laid out in the order it's supposed to. Nothing is overlapping. None of the fonts are too small or that the contrast isn't high enough. And just give it a quick glance to make sure that when somebody comes to your website on mobile, they're not having to zoom in or... you know, get to the menu that they need to. And most platforms make that fairly easy to get a start on it, but you always have to double check because it seems like there's always something that does not work the way that you think it should. Yeah. Or scrolling like left to right. It's like nobody wants to do that on the phone. And then the other thing, I mean, my background's actually, I started out in journalism and newspapers. So the term, it's an old term, but above the fold. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about an old school newspaper and you, you know, a newspaper was folded in half, right? What was on that top half? It was the headline. The headline was not underneath where the newspaper was folded. Yes. So the same thing goes to mobile well, and desktop, but it's yep. really hard to have all your meaty stuff really down low on desktop. You would just have a really poorly designed site if that was <laughs> the case. But on mobile, when you open your site on mobile, you want to have like the meatiest, juiciest information visible right away without having to scroll down yes. above bold quotes. So, so yeah. And you want to mistake I see a lot of people make is they lead with the service that they offer or their location as the headline. Ooh. We want, we want to use the headline to really address what our clients are struggling with and the transformation they're going to get. And then in the subheading, that's where I tell people, you know, that's where you can add, I'm a chiropractor in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Location is important. The type of service you offer is important, but that's not what's going to draw them in and make you stand out from everybody else that they find in their area. That's actually your free resource, isn't it? The Yes. So you want to talk about that? Yeah. So I have a headline writer that's like an AI powered app that you can enter a couple of a little bit of information and it spits out some headline options for you. And I also have a website audit that I have done um, comparing like a before and after and walking through websites to show you the improvements that you can make. And especially in that top section, that's where I see a lot of things that we need to make updates to. So a question I get a lot is like, what's the best website provider? And I really feel like in 2023, they're all getting not saying they're equal, but they're all getting from an SEO standpoint, I feel like they're all starting to kind of level out. What made you choose Squarespace and Kajabi as your primary platforms? I, so when I started working, I was like hand coding things and I did not enjoy that. 
Um, yeah. I found Squarespace. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. I found Squ and most people don't need it because they just don't have that robust of a business. I found Squarespace and I really liked it because you have a lot of flexibility in the design, but it's still really easy to update. So it's easy for people to add blog posts or change out content. And they're, they also have integrated, they have their own email marketing, they have their own scheduling. So you can kind of get everything that you need. They do e-commerce, like you can do so much on that platform in one place. I offer Kajabi because I do have a lot of people who have courses and then they want websites for those. So I don't recommend Kajabi if you don't sell a course because it is more expensive than some of the other platforms. But if you have a course and that's where you're trying to lead people to, you can design a website there to keep everything again in one platform. So it's just easier to manage and you don't have as many expenses for the different things you're piecing together. Yeah. I used to be on Squarespace forever ago, but I switched to WordPress a couple years back. So I'm WordPress and Kartra is where all my mm -hmm. course, email, affiliate stuff, all my like opt-ins and landing pages and all that's in Kartra. So um, I feel like they're all kind of, like I said, becoming more the same now <laughs> than yeah. they used to be. All right. So let's talk about the kind of like the customer journey and how you talked about having that simple website, how it makes it easy to convert the right fit leads into clients. So tell me what you mean by that. I look at websites and I think the easiest way to think about it is it's a journey. So they land on your website and they're going to move through. And ultimately you want them to take action. That might be booking a consultation. It might be submitting a form to get onto your client calendar, whatever that looks like. And we are not going on an epic quest with like side quests and everything that we have to figure out. We want to move really quickly from point A to point Z at the end. And so I tell people, you really just need four pages on your website. You need a homepage that's going to catch them when they land. They're going to see exactly what you do. They're going to see everything you have to offer. You need an about page that tells them about you and your practice, possibly your team and how that connects to them. Then you need your services page. So you're obviously going to tell them like what you do, who you work with, what their options are. And then you need that contact page where they can book the call. They can submit a form so that you call them back. However, you do that. And if you can lay those four pages out in that order, that's kind of how people travel through a website, then you're going to give them everything that they need to make a decision and you're going to make it super easy for them to stay on your website instead of getting lost and confused and bouncing off to something else. Okay. Say those four again. Home. Home, about, services, and contact. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And then I know if you want to kind of talk about bounce time, how that's really important for search engine optimization too. Yeah, it is. So bounce rate is when somebody comes to your site, how many of those people are leaving without going to another page? Mm. And so what we want to do is send them to the next page of our website to reduce our bounce rate. Google looks at that because they assume that if somebody clicks onto your website and they leave from the same page they started, then you were not providing them the answer that they were looking for. Ah. So 
this is the problem. If you have a one page website, there's nowhere for them to go. You want to give them links that are going to keep them on your website a little bit longer and move them through for both the SEO ranking, but also because that is what people kind of the journey that they expect to go on when they go to a website. So you've got me thinking, I'm like, oh crap, is my, <laughs> because, okay, so I have the pages, but then a lot of the links on my nav bar go to a Kartra page. So does that, that would be a bounce, right? Cause it's going that to would be, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's a redirect? Is it still a bounce? You know, I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look into that. I don't know. I looked into one time, like doing a subdomain and all this stuff, but truly when it comes to, and I'm sure you teach this too, I don't want people to get like too bogged down in the traffic piece because I learned this from my friend, Kate Kordsmeyer ages ago. It's like when you're like a true blogger or true like influencer, you rely on traffic to pay you for, you know, affiliate link clicks or respond. Like if you have like ads, display ads on your, um, on your site, like you obviously need the traffic to get more money for the ads. Most of the businesses we're working with, you don't need that sheer amount of traffic that the bloggers, I use the word bloggers, which is not really an accurate term because (laughs) I mean, everybody kind of needs a blog, I think for SEO, but I just mean like you know what I mean? Like the people who are getting literally their sole source of income is the content that they put on their website, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to need more traffic and have a bet need a better, more robust traffic strategy than most of the people we serve who really just need more of like a conversion strategy into becoming a paying patient or client, or, you know, if you have a course, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like Instagram. You don't need a million yeah. plus followers on Instagram to have a profitable business because you are not dependent on getting sponsorships based on those numbers. Yes, absolutely. So if someone's starting from scratch or like, let's say they already have a website that they don't like, and they're like, I just want to like, you know, start over. (laughs) I will say now this was five years ago. So I don't know how much Squarespace has changed since then. I am a pretty tech savvy person. And I tried to do my own website in Squarespace and I ended up having to pay somebody to help me fix it. So I'm kind of just like, just call Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do a lot from scratch or do you do a lot of like the zhuzhing? So I do both. I do custom websites where I do those four pages and a blog set up for people. And then I also have like a 90 minute session where if somebody needs just those finishing touches, they need a designer's eye on it. I can go in, we meet via Zoom and I just, we walk through whatever we can get done in that 90 minutes to give them like that push over the finish line. What do you feel like are some of the biggest mistakes people make other than the things we've already talked about, about like mobile responsiveness and above the fold and like clear and simple when it comes to designing their site? I think the biggest thing that I have seen lately is just having too many links. And I know we've talked about keeping simple, but I think when we think about our business, we're so invested. We have a ton of expertise and we want to showcase all of that. And what that translates to is we have a an about page and then we've got three links under it and we've got a services page and we've got like five links under it and we've got our contact page, but they can also go to the FAQs or schedule an appointment or here's the insurance. And 
people are going to get confused when they have to make a choice about where to go. So as much of that as we can combine, that really helps other people um, to easily navigate our websites instead of getting lost in the choices that they have to make as far as like, okay, well, if I need an answer to this, which page do I go to? And then the other one that I've seen a lot of, you mentioned it, is contrast. There are a lot of templates out there that use a nice light gray font. It looks beautiful, Mm. but does not have high enough contrast for people to go and read it. Same with font sizes. We like it when it's nice and small and dainty and pretty, but we, it's much more important for people to actually be able to read (laughs) our websites. I use a tool called it's web aims contrast checker. You can just Google contrast checker. You put in your background color and your text color, and it tells you whether or not it passes accessibility guidelines at different sizes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that's, it's a really simple tool. Um, and sometimes it surprises me as far as like what doesn't pass their really? things, uh, especially when you get into like the pinks, the yellows, mm. or even like the teals a little bit sometimes because they, so accessibility guidelines are laid out so that contrast is high enough for pretty much anybody who wants to come to your website. So that it's a really nice tool that it shows you. And the bigger the size of your font, the less contrast it has to have because it's already larger. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out and see if mine passes the test. I feel like it should just because I have a lot of like white background, yeah. <laughs> but still, I mean, you never know. Um, so two more things I want to talk about before we wrap up and one is um, opt-ins to your email list on your website. And the next is going to be SEO. So if I'm getting outside of your like wheelhouse, just let me know. But yeah, I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. So I know, so again, going back to my friend, Kate Korsmeyer, she actually quit social media uh, three years ago and she relies on traffic via SEO to not in mass, like, like we talked about, like the bloggers, but to get opt-ins to her email list. So what are some ways, what are some like strategic things we can do to utilize our website to get more opt-ins for our email list? Okay. So I like to have your opt-in in three places to start out. Usually most people will let you put an announcement bar or some kind of colored Mm -hmm. bar at the very top. That's a great place to put your opt-in, just like a quick sentence about what it is. Everybody's going to see it when they land on your site. The next place I like to put it is on the homepage. So after you've done your headline, your mission, and kind of like the different ways people might be interested in working with you, you want to include your opt-in. So sometimes that comes right above the footer. Sometimes there's testimonials after that just depending on how long your page is. I think the key here is to not just tell them, subscribe to my email list. You want it to be compelling. So tell them what you're giving them, tell them what the actual outcome is going to be so that they see why they should give you their email when we all get hundreds of emails a day. You're sitting here, yeah, if you're listening because I'm thinking they're shaking my head. I feel like so many templates are like, stay in the know. I'm like, nobody wants to stay in the know. What am I, what do I say? <laughs> I feel like I need a whole other podcast episode about like, people don't want to sign up for your newsletter or people don't want to get on your email list. People don't want to stay in the know. People, you need to give them a reason 
That's yeah. why I usually like to have some type of free download or lead magnet of some sort. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to have it there. And then you also want to have just a really simple form in your footer. And that one can say like, sign up to, to my newsletter, because that's really just catching the people that have gone all the way down. Once you get down there, people understand like, okay, this is a sign up for an email. I want to stay in touch with her because I've invested in this much time on their website. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the best places to put it. And then you can also have like a, you can include it on blog posts. That's a really great place to put it, uh, especially if your opt-in is relevant to the post. So I like to do it there. The one place I don't like to have a newsletter sign up is on your services page because your okay. goal there is to get them to reach out to you to actually work together. And so we don't want to give them an option to kind of like, oh, back off. If they want to find yeah. it, they will find it. Um, but it's kind of like, it's almost like a sales page where you you eliminate the distractions that are going to take them away from making the decision you want them to. Yeah, that's smart. Um, how do you feel about pop-ups? I am not a huge fan of pop-ups. Oh, say more. Because, because they don't work well on mobile. So uh... usually what happens is you design a beautiful pop-up on your desktop. That's how you see it. And then when people come to your mobile site, either they can't see the X to close out of it, it takes up the whole screen, something makes it so that they can't actually get to the content of your website because of that pop-up without giving an email address, which they may not want to do. So if you have the ability to only have your pop-up display on desktop, I think it's fine. But if it has to be on mobile and you can't be very deliberate about the design, then I would say don't use them. Uh, that's so funny you say that because literally I have like a unread message in my Slack right now from my online business manager. She was like, hey, something about, she had a question about the pop-up. She's like, we don't have a pop-up active right now. What do you want it to be? And I totally didn't think about that about with my, because I don't see the pop-ups because once yeah. you have come, once, what is it? Once you've already been to the site or once you're cookied in, how does it know it's, it most of the time, if they close out of it or they subscribe, especially if they subscribe, it, they, it won't show that to them again for like 30 days or you can make that setting. So like if they've subscribed, it won't show them that your computer is smart. It knows all these things. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It's not going to keep trying to get somebody to sign up for your email list if they're already on it. So a lot of times we don't see it. You have to like go to a, an incognito window, window. Mm -hmm. sign in as a guest and that we just don't remember to do that part. Yeah, that's so I'm so glad I asked you that because now I need to make sure because I'm sure with WordPress, there's a way to disable for mobile users. Um, but that's really smart. You're right. Because I've I've like as a I still use Pinterest a lot to just look mm -hmm. up like last night I was looking up uh, my husband's building my daughter like a little playhouse underneath the stairs. <laughs> and so it's like I love going to the blogs and seeing all of the ideas, but you're right. When the pop-ups on mobile, you're like, like get it, get it away. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Okay. I'm going to have to remember that. Okay. Let's wrap up with the nitty gritty of SEO. So can we just give people a, a do you follow Sharon says so on Instagram? Yes. <laughs> okay. I love her. Like I'm five. Yes. Give, give us a, give us a like I'm five SEO lesson. <laughs> All right. So I'm not sure my four-year-old old would understand this because he's <laughs> okay, a computer. Maybe, but, how about eighth grade? <laughs> yeah. 
SEO is search engine optimization. So uh, my friend Brittany Herzberg says it's the way that you get to be the answer to the question on Google. So when somebody Googles something, whether it's I need some uh, like a photographer in this location or why does my toddler like to throw things all over the place? You want to be the first link that pops up with the answer. And so SEO is the way to do that organically. It's, there's no paid ads. There's no paid traffic. It's all based on the keywords that are on your website. So what happens is the content you put on your website tells Google what you're all about. And then Google says, oh, well, this person is is looking for a website designer. I know a website designer. She talks about it all the time on her website. I'm going to put her in the top of the search results that somebody will see. Yeah, exactly. And I know now it's, they've added a fourth letter, but the criteria is E-A-T. What's the fourth letter they've added? Do you remember? No. <laughs> it's expertise, <laughs> authoritativeness, and trustworthy or timely is it timely or trustworthy go back and listen to the episode i did with cynthia uh for digital bloom iq it's a whole seo episode but um basically it's gotten harder for people in the health and wellness industry without i'm putting the word credentials in quotes because i don't mean to diminish someone who's you know let's say you don't have credentials, but you've managed to reverse your own PCOS symptoms. But if you don't have like MD, RD, um, any of those more recognizable credentials, it's harder to now rank on Google as being an expert and authority in that mm -hmm. subject matter, which is good and bad, right? Like it's, I can see why that happened because it's like, all right, we don't want some random person being like, Hey, go drink. Uh, you know, I don't know, something bad. <laughs> Go drink some bleach because this is how I care. People are like, oh, and like that, that's like ranking on the first page of Google, right? So you, it is, like I said, it's a way to kind of keep the consumer safe in a way, but then also I could see how it could be seen in a negative light as well as kind yeah. of like gatekeeping. Like, who are you to decide what we get yeah. to see and, and not see? So that's just a note. Usually like with, with the chiropractors and I don't know how, what you, I do work with some naturopathic doctors, but um, do you feel like the ND credential is widely enough recognized that they, it helps with that? You are looking specifically for um, like natural health, or functional medicine, it mm. will, but Google's always going to prefer the, what they like to call is like the scientific research. Somebody told me they, you tried to use chat GPT to write a page for their naturopathic practice. And it just kept saying naturopathic naturopathy is not like an approved science. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. it's funny you said that because I, we just got, I mean, we have a bajillion chiropractors as clients, but we just got an applied kinesiology client, uh, chiropractor, which is, I don't know. Are you familiar with that no, modality? So. It's, it's chiropractic, but it's a very specific, it's like the muscle testing and all that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let's just see what chat GPT has to say. And like you said, every single thing has a disclaimer. It was like, this is considered pseudoscience. Yes. <laughs> so I literally, I think I ended up telling chat GPT, assume 
anecdotal evidence or something like that. I, I, I don't remember what I said. Assume anecdotal. I am a chiropractor. Yeah. I practice this. <laughs> My anecdotal evidence shows this. And it's like, it still had to throw in that disclaimer. Like, <laughs> so there's definitely a bias. Um, and I think that's where, you know, mention, you mentioned blogging is mm-hmm. really important for SEO because that's where we get to like answer those questions more in depth. And if you can write blog posts that are going to answer people's questions, it will help your ranking. Uh, even if you're kind of fighting against a little bit of the bias of the internet and AI. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm having trouble with, I'm like selfishly using this time to pick your brain is because I don't just work with same with you. Right. So I don't know if you've cracked this code, you and I work with a very similar audiences and it's hard to figure out what is that term that people are searching for? Because if I'm a massage therapist, I'm not going to search health and wellness website creator or health and wellness Instagram marketer. And so it's like, yeah, health and wellness is like the general blanket umbrella term, but I've been advised I need to have like different sections on my blog that are like chiropractic marketing. Cause like, I would love to eventually rank for chiropractic marketing. Just, I mean, that's about 80% of my clients, but because to be totally honest, if you look at, if you just Google chiropractic marketing right now, the people who are ranking there, (laughs) yeah, it's like the most mass generic websites too. (laughs) Yes. I figured, right. I figured, and I know some amazing chiropractic website designers like you, I'm like, man, we're the ones that need to be ranking, but I'm like, I'm not going to get there. If all I'm saying is it's kind of like the whole topic of niching down, right? It's like, I don't want to just serve chiropractors because I do like still having like the other modalities, but I don't know if that's something you've seen in your marketing where it's like, okay, I need to create content on my blog. That's just for chiropractors. And then maybe some that's just for health coaches, maybe some that's just for life coaches, just to kind of capture that keyword. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely do that. I have, um, I like, I, when I do, especially like a portfolio blog post where I'm talking about a new website, I'm using like, this is the industry that they're actually in. Um, kind of using those keywords. I think it can also help on like a services page to say like, these are the types of people that I work with or some of my clients, they've been massage therapists, they've been chiropractors, Mm -hmm. they've been naturopathic doctors because like I did update my site title to include health and wellness, but I can't have an entire list of every modality in there that that might look like. So it is, I think it's, you have to pick and choose. I feel like there's not one term that everybody's using. And so it's kind of trying to create content that's going to speak to specific people and just kind of rotate through it or say in this season, I'm going to focus on this type of client. And then I'm going to go to the next type of client next quarter and just kind of build it up over time. Yeah. And to put this in perspective for the listeners, it's, it's something that I've been teaching forever or not just me, but like everyone it's people aren't Googling. So if you're a health coach, women aren't Googling how to live their best life. No, (laughs) you know, and I see that as a lot of health coaches taglines, like I help women get back to vitality and radiance. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, am I not vital? Am I not right? I I mean, maybe, I don't know. So that's why it's really the same thing applies to like what Samantha and I have to do with our specificity is 
you have to call out those individual. It's like, yes, sell them what they want, give them what they need. So it's like, yeah, they want a solution to their acid reflux or, you know, the fact that they can't sleep or, you know, their afternoon energy slump. Like that's what they're actually Googling. And those are the keywords that you need to be actually calling out on your website, in your blogs and on your Instagram posts. And then once they become a client, then you can give them what they really need, which is this like general umbrella of just vitality or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I think it helps to just listen to what people are saying. Maybe even, so um, I like to go into like my mom's Facebook group for local moms. Mm. Look at what they are asking for. So if they're looking and they may say something like I'm looking for a chiropractor and they're going to say, cause my back hurts because I sit on my chair all day. Like that's a really good place to do easy market research without having to actually like get on the phone with somebody. And then the other thing to look at is if you do like an intake questionnaire, when somebody comes in, look at what they're saying brought them into your office. Yes. Those are going to give you more of the words people are actually searching for. Yep. I had a a gal a while back say like, look at your reviews and look at the language that people in your reviews are using. Because even like, if you're a more vitalistic chiropractor, I'm not saying you have to only promote pain because that's not the type of patients and clients you want. But if you can still speak to that pain point, no pun intended, and bridge the gap between like wellness care in your marketing. And then once they get in the door, there's a way to do both. I feel like there's a way it's really hard to speak to stress as like a pain point because stress can manifest in Mm -hmm. so many different ways for so many different people. And the other thing, so I just was listening to somebody talking about this is testimonials are starting to rank higher on Google as well. So really? you are okay. looking at what other people are telling you and not just a, Google always likes it itself. So if you get a Google review, they like that, right? Uh, but even on your own website, they like to look at what other people are saying about you instead of just what you are saying. So if you can include testimonials, if you're allowed to do that, that can be really powerful on your website as well. Okay. That's really good to know as well. Yeah. I have some too. And I'm just like, maybe I need a whole page. Um, (laughs) Just don't put it in your main menu. Oh, okay. (laughs) Why not? Because you don't, I mean, what's your testimonial page going to do? It's not going to convert them. It's you're trying to do it to showcase all you do. I like to do, if I have a testimonial page, it's kind of just on the back end. So like people can Google it, they can find it and then make sure you add a call to action to actually learn about working with you on that page too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I I've done it before. Like if you want results like these, you know, get, yes. XYZ. Okay. Samantha, this has been super helpful. Tell us again. I know we mentioned your free resources, but, um, if you just want to briefly talk about those again and how people can find you. Yeah. So I, uh, my website is lemonandthesea.com and you can get the website review there that I'm walking through real websites and really kind of showing what we can do to make small changes that get you more clients onto your calendar. And that is at lemonandthesea.com slash website review. And then I'm also over on Instagram at lemonandthesea. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And also, I appreciate you. I know we've had to reschedule this. (laughs) I'm so appreciate you being patient with me. And I hope you have an amazing day. All right. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Holistic Marketing Simplified. This podcast is brought to you by my marketing roadmap, which is a five episode private audio training that's kind of like this podcast, but not exactly because it's not available to the general public when you search on your podcast feed. So the great thing about consuming free content like this for me or on my Instagram or my blogs or whatever is that yes, you will learn a lot, but you kind of have to go searching for what it is exactly you're looking for. This five episode private podcast is broken down in a logical step-by-step order. That's why it's called a roadmap. So if you're ready to get started on your Instagram marketing journey, or if you already are started and you just feel like you're kind of like overwhelmed with all of the different free information, this is a super clear roadmap with lots of tangible step-by-step action items that will get you from point A to point B for just $27. So all you have to do is head to mollycahill.com slash private training. And based on the reviews I've had so far, I know you won't be disappointed. I'm really proud of this training. And I know personally, I've bought $27, $37, $17 products before and felt like I really didn't get that much out of it. I guarantee you, you will learn something from this five episode private audio feed. So again, it's just mollycahill.com slash private training. And it'll also be linked below in the show notes. I cannot wait to hear what you think. And hey, you know how every podcaster at the very end of their episode asks you to rate and review their podcast? Well, that's because it's super important. These podcasts take a lot of time and heart and effort to produce to bring you free information. So in order for me to be able to continue doing that, we need more people to find out about the show. So if you could, please just take like two minutes out of your very busy day to leave me a rating and share this on your Instagram stories and tag at Molly A. Cahill. That's C-A-H-I-L-L. I would greatly, greatly appreciate your support. I truly appreciate you so much. I know your time is valuable and I can't wait to see you in the next episode.